the show yesterday, this wide receiver with Washington, McLovin, whatever his name is, he signed a three-year extension worth $71 million. $28 million of that is a signing bonus. Over three-quarters of the deal is guaranteed. McLovin's stats are comparable to Deontay's, but the Steelers still shouldn't pay Deontay. A, he's not a number one receiver. B, receivers are disposable. C, another team making a mistake doesn't mean you have to. Deontay ain't A.B. He ain't Heinz Ward. A.B. and Heinz got second deals with the Steelers as receivers. Nobody else, and Deontay ain't them. And this is interesting. I am told the Steelers see Pickens as a number one receiver sooner, not later. That would take the bloom off Deontay's payday, but then again, the Steelers kind of thought that about Chase Claypool too, and how wrong they turned out to be. New World Order brought to you by 84 Lumber, your hometown building partner, and by Armstrong, keeping you connected. Uh, Staying with the Steelers, I saw a photo on Twitter of a Steelers-themed wedding. The wedding party was waving terrible towels. That's going to be in your wedding pictures forever. You, your dorky spouse, and your dorky wedding party waving terrible towels like a bunch of dorks. You would have to be a total loser to have a sports-themed wedding. Get a grip and get a life. I got a couple tweets saying, the Penguins should bring Kessel back. Yeah, him and his eight goals in 82 games. I've never seen a player transform and decline at the same time like Kessel. And the transformation started here in Pittsburgh. When Phil just decided he wasn't going to shoot like he always did, that he was going to be a playmaker, the passing was going to be his thing, that it would be his primary skill, his first priority. That that happened, and he had like, what, a 55-assist season here, and his goals were still in the 20s. But he went from this pure sniper, which is such – rare and real currency in hockey. He went from this true sniper to just this guy who passed a lot. It was not a good decision on his part, but who knows why Phil decides to do anything. At any rate, he had eight goals in 82 games, and he was minus 24 for Arizona last year. Uh, He's going to have trouble getting a job. He's a free agent. He still has that uh, consecutive game streak going. He's number, I think, two all-time behind Yandel, who saw that streak end uh, this past season. I think Phil's going to have a tough time getting a job. His consecutive game streak may end because nobody wants him. Uh, The New York Yankees turning now to baseball. When we're in the dog days of sports talk, you never know what I'm going to bring up. Uh, the New York Yankees are 55 and 20. They're on a pace to win more games than anybody ever. But maybe the most amazing story in baseball is the Los Angeles Angels have Trout and Otani, and they still suck. They're 36 and 41. 
How are those two guys on a team that sucks? And Trot's getting pissed. He flipped out on a pitcher for the Angels who was tipping pitches. Trot could tell he was, and he was clearly agitated out in center field. But the Angels will be okay. Trust me when I tell you the Angels will be okay once they trade for Brian Reynolds. Let's go to Dan and Aliquippa. Dan, you're on with Mark. Dan, you're hey, on uh, What up, man? Um, I just wanted to talk. Uh, if we sign Latang, which that would be the happy medium, um, do you think we have enough salary cap to even, like, uh, take up our other lines? Because we're really a one-line team right now. And, I mean, that's not going to win you nothing. Uh, they didn't win nothing last year. Exactly, exactly. They, if they have a line of, of Crosby, Gunsel, and Rust, and Latang is retained, and they all stay relatively healthy, they're a playoff team. They're not going to win a playoff mm-hmm. series, but they haven't done that since 2018 anyway. We have to stop <laughs> yeah. looking at these guys as cup contenders. They've This group has won its last cup. Sid has won his last cup in Pittsburgh. I hope I'm wrong, okay. but I doubt that I am. Let's go to Kevin in the car. Kevin, you're on with the super genius. brought up Forbes Field. Uh, you consider ranking that up there with some of the greater other fields like Wrigley and uh, Yankee Stadium and maybe uh, Boston, Fenway I, Park? I've never been to the original Yankee Stadium. I've been to Fenway Park a, a couple times, both before and after remodeling. It was a hole the first time I was there, but I, I went there for a Liverpool soccer match and sat on top of the Green Monster. And it was an old-time stadium with all the modern luxury, so I really liked it. I've been to Wrigley Field, too. Wrigley Field's become a bit of a dump. But, again, PNC Park, that atmosphere is a copy. That doesn't mean it's any less enjoyable, but an old guy like me can't forget that it's a copy. Yeah, it was uh, Forbes Field was three years before my time. My first first, base, first, first baseball game was at uh, Three Rivers. So, yeah, thank you. For- thank you. I love Forbes Field. It was so big. You, you, you were in the stands and your kid, it just looked like a ballpark. It looked, I mean, look at photos of Forbes Field and tell me that PNC Park, a lot of it isn't pirated, no pun intended, from Forbes Field. Although the dimensions of Forbes Field were much bigger and the wall from, I believe, right center all the way to left was brick and covered by ivy. Some of it, a la Wrigley Field. It was a great ballpark. You know what part of that is? If you said to me today, okay, the Civic Arena will pop up exactly as it used to be, warts and all, and you have a choice whether the Penguins could play at the Civic Arena or at PPG Paints Arena, I would pick the Civic Arena. Why? Because I grew up there. You always romanticize things from when you were younger. Except, to be honest, Three Rivers, that was... That was an unromantic type of dump from the minute it opened, especially for baseball. For football, it's different because football, you kind of want that hard-edged feel, and in some ways it was perfect for the Steelers. Okay, up next, going to talk to Tim Benz about the Steelers here on 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. The cream comes to the top. I feel like I'm just bubbling over. You wear pants while you're on the air? Because I wouldn't. Who told you? The X at 105.9. O'Neal Cruz has walked a second time today. Didn't walk at all in his first 45 MLB plate appearances, but walked twice today. It's a Festivus miracle. Uh, joining me now to talk some Steelers, maybe some Penguins from the Trib, he is Tim Benz. Tim, 
Uh, I spoke a moment ago about Deontay Johnson's contract situation now that McLovin or whatever his name is got paid in Washington. What should the Steelers do with Deontay? I understand that this is what those guys are getting paid, but they're so disposable. It's a disposable position. I agree with you, Mark. And if I'm the Steelers, I have a number in mind that I'm willing to pay him. Uh, if I want to keep him on board, which I think they do, I think they prefer to have him than to not. But I think they want him, as we've talked about with Malkin and Latang, from the Penguins' point of view, they want to do it at their price. I think the Steelers want to keep Deontay at their price. And they shouldn't go above that because I tend to be on board with your line of thinking. I, I don't know why the NFL has decided that any and all running backs are completely disposable when it's kind of becoming the same thing with most wide receivers. And I think Deontay Johnson falls into that category more than, say, like a Stephon Diggs or a Devontae Adams. He's good, but he's not special to the point that he can't be replaced. By the way, Brian Reynolds just hit his third home run of the game. Well, he's going to bring back a ton in a trade uh, right at the deadline. Now, I'm told the Steelers see George Pickens as a number one level receiver. And sooner, not later, uh, that's not good news for Deontay's extension. But then again, the Steelers thought that about Claypool too, didn't they? I'm sure they did, and that's why they took Claypool when they did, and I think that's why they took Pickens when they did, because perhaps they're thinking that both uh, Deontay Johnson and Claypool aren't going to be that. So hopefully they get it right this time with Pickens, and at least they can get by perhaps next year with Claypool as a number two to Pickens being number one if they don't keep Johnson. And my guess is that's exactly where they're leaning and one thing that also has to be decided about all this, Mark, is who plays in the slot when they're in, when they're in three wide, and they're in three wide a lot. Uh, they're in three wide almost as much as the two teams that went to the Super Bowl that do it more than anybody else. Is that going to be Johnson? And if so, I, I think they can replace that production, and maybe that's why they got that Austin guy in the fourth round to groom him for next year. And there's no real slot-type receiver on the team, is there? No, I think Johnson could be that. I think he's shifty enough to be that. I don't think he's the blocker like they like to have at that position, though, which is what made Juju good at the job. Um, he's a different kind of slot receiver than Juju would ever be. I think he's got more moves. and He's got, frankly, more talent than Juju probably does. But they don't get what they want when it comes to the blocking aspect in that role. They're going to have to sacrifice something it's funny, I keep hearing that Claypool is built to be that kind of blocker and that kind of physicality, but he hasn't brought it. You know, Miles Boykin maybe, or I don't know. I don't know what they would want to do if they want to try to find a Juju clone to be their slot guy. I would like to see him go more double tight. I think that Fryer moves good already. I think Gentry has great potential. And they seem to like Connor Hayward too. If they're going to use him as more of a tight end than just a fullback or an H-back, like Derek Watt is. Uh, it looks like uh, the only true battle at Steelers training camp is Dotson versus Green at guard. What happened to Dotson? He started as a rookie out of Louisiana. The Steelers were very high on him. What the heck happened? Yeah, that's a weird one because I kind of like the way he played too, Mark. And I was on board with what they saw and what they were thinking with him initially. And I thought he was going to be there for a while. And uh, that has not been the case. And based on what we saw from Kendrick Green, uh, there's not a lot you would figure to be challenged by if he had a decent hold on the job. 
but he must not because Green is making a position switch back to something he played in college. And Dotson, um, I don't know if it was injury-related or he thought he was too good too fast, if it's a mental thing or what. But let's also face it, they don't have a ton invested in him. They were hoping he'd pan out as a, what, fourth-round pick. If he pans out to be a starter full-time, great. If he loses his job to a third-round guy, oh, well, so be it. Yeah, and on the other side of that battle, how's Green still in the mix? Because he was awful last year at center. Maybe they think guard is real position. I, I don't know. It seems like for an offensive line that's revamped, their two tackles are still very mediocre. The center was a backup in the past, and the, the battle at guard is between the lesser of two evils. Yeah, I think they maybe are trying to give Kendrick B. Green a, a benefit of the doubt from his talent and maybe putting it on themselves that they made a misevaluation that he could play center. Maybe it's just a mental thing about getting that hand up after snapping the ball. Um, you know, we've heard that perhaps was an issue with him. Although if I recall during minicamp, he said it was more about footwork than it was anything else. Maybe it's both. And maybe that acclimation of getting to center from guards is flat out for whatever reason, both of those reasons wasn't easy enough for him. And they're looking at him and saying, we still thought he was a good guard. We profiled that he could do center. Maybe we're wrong, and he can just play guard, and maybe he'll be worthy of what a third-round guard out of the Big Ten should be, which I think should be starter capable in the NFL. So they'll give him a shot to beat out the guy that they thought was better two years earlier. Who wins that battle, Tim? My guess is that it's Dotson. But I don't feel real good about saying that right now. I, I think it's pretty open. I think it's pretty 50, 50. Yeah, I think it could be a matter of Green with his versatility because he can play center even if he didn't very well. They love that guy backing up all three positions yeah, in the that's, interior, that's don't point. they? Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't considered that. you know, And the movie that does actually lend itself to the Dotson, or Dotson argument that I brought up before, which is – Kind of like with B.J. Finney, you know, like when Finney was good and he was here, there were times where some folks thought he should have been starting. And it was like, nah, they, they like to have the guy that can go back and forth between the two slots at the same time and be in uniform. So in a strange way, maybe that versatility works against uh, Kendrick Green if it comes down to a, a coin flip choice. Here's the odd thing about uh, the Steelers as we approach training camp. It seems nobody's worried about Trubisky, and neither am I. I'm a little bit more worried than most, Mark, uh, maybe more worried than you. Um, I just I, I see him as being a bottom 10 quarterback as a starter in the National Football League. Uh, you know, I think he's below the average cut line. Um, I, I think he is primed to be put to the bench if Kenny Pickett shows anything in training camp at the preseason and those first six games go poorly. Um, I do think there have been so many other angles to talk about that the performance to expect from Mitch Trubisky has been knocked down the list, but I'm far from looking at him and saying his level of play is a sure thing. I've just heard too many people from Chicago say great things about his attitude, great things about his personality, great things about his athleticism, and then in the third and fourth quarter, there's a throw or two you got to make that he's just not going to make. And um, those were the throws that Roethlisberger often made even at the end of his career to get them back into games or have them win games in the fourth, like you've talked about before. Uh, I just don't know if that switch comes on for Trubisky. 
Will the Steelers have an elite defense? And by that, I mean at least top five in all the significant categories. I don't think so, because I think they only have three elite players. It's nice to have one at every level, but I do think it's just Hayward, Watt, and Minka Fitzpatrick, and everybody else they hope is pretty good. Um, if Ogunjobi's foot is 100% healed, I think he could be a pro bowler. I don't know if he's elite, but I think he could be a second pro bowler, and that sure would help. Uh, Jack has something left, and he was just kind of miscast by the end. A crappy Jacksonville defense. He might be Pro Bowl caliber, but I, I don't think it's elite, Mark. I can't look at all those numbers aside from what they just did against the run or pin everything on the run defense and then pray that it's magically fixed this year and say, oh, yeah, it's going to jump all the way back up to you know, top five in points against and top five in overall D. Uh, Tim, I want to turn to the Penguins because it's getting down to rug-cutting time with Malkin and Latang with the draft next week and free agency the week after. And if they do move on from those two, I get it. Part of me thinks that's the right move. But part of me thinks it's not because I do not trust Hextall to manage the cap space afforded by losing those two. I'm kind of in the better the devil you know camp right now. Yeah, we do know that that devil only gets you to about the first round and then things go bad. I One thing that I've been questioning as these past couple of weeks have gone along is everybody seems to be aligning with this hope that they can get Latang and Malkin on manageable three-year deals so it aligns with Crosby's contract expiring. But like, why has that become such an agenda unless we're assuming that Crosby's contract is going to expire and he's going to retire or leave or go elsewhere? I mean, if that's, if that's part of the thinking, we'll just blow it up now then. You know, I mean, and why not rebuild if you want to try to get one more with Crosby while he's here, while you've got Jake Gensel at the prime of his career, you just got Brian Russ on a workable contract, and you have Sid for three more seasons. If they're aligning everything for everybody to be gone in three years, um, why rebuild then? Why not rebuild when you still have Sidney Crosby being a really good player on the top line? Because he's going to want out. I really do think if 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 Latang and Maul can leave and the Penguins miss the playoffs this year, Sid will want out. Oh, I don't, I don't doubt that. You know, like I thought it was funny after Nathan McKinnon was slobbering all over Sid in his post game comments. There was this reaction from a lot of Penguins fans, like, "Hey, maybe McKinnon will want to come here. He's a free agent after next year." You know. I'm thinking uh, it might be more the other way around. I mean, does Sid like skiing? Does does he like Denver? Um, you know that that to me feels a lot more likely than McKinnon coming here. That's for sure. Uh, if Latang leaves, I think they miss the playoffs. I think it's that simple. That could be the case. Again, it depends on how Ron Hextall reallocates that money, but it's a lot harder. I, I see. Well, some well Tim, the problem is second. I've looked at free agents. And if, if you replace Latang and Malkin man for man, like let's just say, for example, Trocheck and Klingberg, you're going to have to pay almost as much to get those guys as you would to retain Latang and Malkin. And by the way, those two aren't taking three-year deals either, which is apparently all Hextel wants to offer. If you go the other route and try to get depth and youth through free agency, that's impossible. Those guys just aren't there. The only way to build depth and youth is through your system. What if you do it through trades? Like, what if you do it through getting, say, for instance, J.T. Miller at 5.1 for one more year and then working his contract for next year? 
Yeah, I mean, do you trust Texel to do that? Uh, I trust him to – well, I don't trust him to give away draft picks. That's the problem because that's all you have. Well, I mean, let me I, tell you, you know, e- for- even though it might mean giving up draft picks, Tim, I'd feel a lot more confident if Jim Rutherford were the general manager right now. Yeah, well, that's – yeah, because if your thinking is – you know, part of what people were getting tired of with Rutherford was trading away all the draft picks, right? Well, if you're sacrificing your cap space to keep everybody who's a veteran, you're still putting off the future anyway because you're not investing anything in players that could be here for three years at five and six million dollar deals. So it's just, it's kind of a different way of complaining about what the same thing is, which is being stuck in this playoff purgatory of just good enough to get there, but not good enough to get beyond the first round. And finally, Tim O'Neill Cruz walked twice today after never walking before. Is this the beginning of the pirates great new era? He's just showing us, Mark, that he can do anything and everything. The minute we complain about something, O'Neill Cruz fixes it, and we have seen the future, and the future is him walking 300 times a year. That's Tim Benz. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. I'm one of a kind on the radio. Thank you for being the best damn radio host in Pittsburgh. It's a family affair. The X at 105.9. What the hell was that? Thanks to Tim Benz for joining me. Uh, I'm getting a lot of stick on Twitter because Twitter is toxic and it, a place where anonymous idiots uh, say stuff on Twitter they would never say in person or even on Twitter using their real name. Uh, I'm getting stick because I laugh at O'Neill Cruz not walking in his first 45 plate appearances, and now he's walked twice today. Oh, good take, fat ass. He walked twice today, fat ass. Well, that doesn't change that he didn't walk in his first 45 plate appearances, that he's always been lacking in that department in terms of controlling the plate and getting on base. It doesn't change that he's only hitting 250. It also doesn't change that it's a small sample size and that he's still an outstanding prospect. But when you don't walk in 45 plate appearances and show no signs of being much interested in doing so, that's a problem, and it's going to hinder you if it continues moving forward. Uh, One of the major points I was making about all that is that the Pirates don't develop these guys. Polanco signed that big deal, never controlled the plate, never turned out to be what they hoped he would be. The key Brian Hayes reminds me of the Polanco signing to Brian Hayes signing reminds me of the Polanco signing and that it's two guys that don't trust their own ability enough to get the free agency. So they settle. And when they get the money in Polanco's case, anyway, he just went straight to excrement. It's true. I just don't trust anything. The pirates do. I don't trust them to come good. They're winning today 8-7 at D.C. because Brian Reynolds has three home runs in the game, and he's a great player, and wait till they trade him. I've said repeatedly, I will trust that the Pirates have a legitimate plan in place to win and will spend the money necessary at the moment of truth if they extend Brian Reynolds into his free agency because that is the moment of truth. But if they trade him for prospects, and they might do that before this year's over, That's what a lot of people seem to think. Anyway, 
then it's just another betrayal, another lie, and just oh so typical. And you know what? A lot of people bitch that, you know, beat them bucks and they're doing the right thing. But, you know, not too many go to games. Not too many go to games. They're third last in attendance. So if you do believe you are either not putting your money where your mouth is or you are and you're in the distinct minority. Sticking now with baseball, uh, Canada still won't allow the unvaccinated into their country from America, so the Red Sox closer couldn't get in the country. And the Red Sox blew a save to Toronto last night, and right now the Red Sox are in the second wild card in the American League, and it's very close, and every game is crucial. And the Red Sox visit Toronto again very late in the season, in September. So the debate rages again. What's more important, your team and your teammates or taking a stand against the vaccine by way of proving what point, I do not know. What are you proving by not getting the vaccine? People aren't dropping dead from the vaccine. There's been very few reported side effects from the vaccine, let alone among young and healthy people like athletes are. So what point exactly are you proving by not getting the vaccine? Kyrie Irving didn't prove a thing except that he could F up what should have been a juggernaut in Brooklyn. This Red Sox closer, Tanner Houck's his name, he's letting down his team. But, you know, look around sports and take a really good look. Look around sports, take a really good look, and you would have to conclude that team really doesn't matter much at all anymore. It just doesn't. We have some bad news from Kennywood. The Thunderbolt and Steel Curtain roller coasters are currently closed. Those are from the opposite ends of the roller coaster spectrum. The Thunderbolt uh, was erected in 1924. That's quite an erection. And the Steel Curtain uh, debuted in 2019. So those are closed for maintenance, and uh, those are two real big attractions at Kennywood. I'm told I've never been to Kennywood. I should get out to Kennywood this year for the first time. In fact, I'm going to do that. I'm definitely going to go to Kennywood this year for the first time. If anyone from Kennywood's listening, I'll pay to get in. I'll spend money on crap once I get in there. The only thing I would like to get from Kennywood would be VIP parking. Believe me, when you're old, that's all you want is an easy in, an easy out, and at Kennywood, that translates into VIP parking. Uh, As far as the Thunderbolt and Steel Curtain are concerned, the best roller coaster anywhere was the Blue Streak at Conneaut Lake Park, and it sadly is gone, having been burnt down. I got to get to Conneaut again soon. I'm going to Vegas this weekend, going to Atlantic City the weekend after. Maybe the weekend after that to Kanye. We'll have to see. Uh, 412-333-WXDX. I am not doing a total about face, but I've always wanted to keep Latang. And no matter what happens that opens up cap space for the Penguins, whether it's a trade or Latang leaving and or Malkin leaving, I don't trust Textall to use the cap wisely. I just don't think he's a very good general manager. And I thought he was a good hire at the time, but the last 17 months have been 
uh, rancid version of vanilla. And I just think that uh, when Fenway bought the team, they should have brought in their own management, brought in elite management, instead of trusting a holdover with a subpar resume. I just am not optimistic about where the team's going in terms of roster assembly. You know, when Brian Burke's there to advise him, that doesn't make me feel comfortable either. Hextel has a bad resume. Brian Burke has an extremely overrated resume. He's like been general manager of, what, half a dozen teams? He's won one Stanley Cup. He had a lot of places he went to where the team just went to Toronto. Couldn't get anything done. With more resources there than any team in hockey has. I just don't trust Hextel. I'm hoping he proves me wrong. I don't know that he will. I'm getting tweets. What's the difference between abortion and and a vaccine? Your body, your choice. Yikes. If you don't see the difference there, I, I just don't know what to tell you. I just do not know what to tell you. I, I got a great story. I'm going to save it for the next segment. But it's about a uh, young woman, an athlete, who is physically challenged. And without being at all flippant or trying to be funny, I think her physical challenge provides her an advantage in the sport she plays. Have you read about this? I'll get to it in in, in just a second here on 105.9 The X. Got a couple tweets about Forbes Field. You want to see a ballpark? Go online, go on Google, Google Forbes Field, look at some pictures of Forbes Field. As great as PNC Park is, and it is, Forbes Field was a ballpark. Boy, I wish I was young again and not so close to being dead. 412-333-WXDX, it's the Mark Madden Show. We come back, a heartwarming story about a young lady with a physical disability. That is not only making the most of it, but perhaps, perhaps benefiting by it. 105.90X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Bubble M, huge fan, buddy. Your voice is like sweet nectar to my ears. Still of the night, still of the night, still of the night. VX at 105.9. Uh, Mike and Big Bob on, on KISS FM did a great bit on their morning show today. Uh, top five Pittsburgh athletes I want to drink with power rankings. And theirs were... Cam Hayward, number one, Sidney Crosby, two, Andrew McCutcheon, three, Mario Lemieux, four, Megan Klingenberg, five. Now, I've only had a beverage with exactly one of those athletes. Uh, based on my experience, Brian Trottier is top of my list. Uh, Kenny Reggett's right there. Oh, Kevin Stevens, for sure. But this is based on my experience. Maybe I should do what Mikey and Big Bob did and just guys you'd like to, or girls in the case of Megan Klingenberg. I don't know if Sid gets sloppy drunk. I think Sid's just composed and in control all the time. Like, even when they won those cups, there were never any photos or video of Sid just looking all buckled and disheveled, like we saw with Ole Mata and Justin Schultz, who really went for it. By the way, Ole Mata 
a free agent uh, this offseason. Maybe the Penguins should bring him back, too. Bring them all back. Kessel, Broussard, Mata, Bukestad, Galenchuk, Galchenyuk, rather, Riley Shan. They're all available. Go get them. Because all you want to do is recycle. Bring back Flower. You ran him out of town when he was here the first time, but, yeah, bring him back now, you absolute hypocrites. Okay, here's a great story. And I really got to preface it by saying I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not saying this flippantly. It's a great story, but you got to look at the particulars of the sport she plays. The U.S. women's national team took a brief and welcome break from politicizing to actually play a game last night. It was USA 2, Columbia nil. USA, USA, USA. And I saw that a player named Carson Pickett, not Kenny, but Carson Pickett, she became the first player with a limb difference to play for the U.S. Women's National Team. That was the term in the lead of the story. Carson Pickett has a quote-unquote limb difference. It turns out Carson Pickett was born without a left hand and left forearm. Now, what she's doing is great. This brave young woman has conquered a lot and isn't yet incredibly annoying like so many of her teammates. But aside from maybe a slight balance issue, isn't Carson Pickett at an advantage because of her so-called limb difference? Because there's 50% less chance of handball, and she can take throw-ins like she's throwing a baseball. More distance, I would think. I don't know if she does. That would mean watching the games and and all the uh, politicizing that Megan Rapino, et cetera, have done has kind of put me off the U.S. team, really since they, since they dumped Klingenberg, which they shouldn't have done, and I still don't know why they did, because she was one of their best players. I mean, she made the All-World Cup team and then wasn't on the team for, I believe, the next international tournament. I didn't get that at all. Actually, I have a few theories, but uh, I'm not going to share them just now. But uh, and, and by the way, Carson Pickett plays left back, which is uh, Kling's position, was her position. But, but in, in, in soccer, when you take a throw in, when the ball is out of bounds, right, you have to use both hands and put the ball behind your head and throw it in, and you can't, like, cheat to one hand to launch it like you would a baseball or a football. But they're not going to tell the person with one hand she can't take throw-ins, and so she could launch it. She could throw it like a baseball. She could kind of get around the rule. So, again, you say limb difference. I say perhaps an advantage for Carson Pickett, and she appears to be a real good player, so congratulations to her. Like I said, 50% less chance of handball. And you know what? If she handled with her one hand, that'd be kind of crappy to call it, wouldn't it? Let's go to JT. JT, you're on with Double M. How's it going, Marcus? Great. Um, well, first off, on the Megan Klingberg, maybe she just wasn't woke enough for him. Was it what? Woke. Oh, no, Megan's woke. Well, Ma- oh, not okay. as obnoxiously well, so, but Megan's woke. No, they're... There, and, and I know I just got a couple tweets, something to do with 
you know, the team's sexuality. No, it wasn't that either. I just have another theory as to why she was replaced. But go ahead. Another time for that. Um, I'm still confused how the Penguins have a former flyer at GM. I mean, he has nightmares about Mario Lemieux. And they don't uh, win I, 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 I don't have a problem with that. If he's the guy and for the job, I have no problem. I'm just worried that he might not be for the guy for the job. I should have three people instead of one. What do you mean? No, you're, more. You're, what? Well, because if you have a group of people, they can probably get more contacts around the league than just one. No, you need one GM who knows what he's doing. Okay, well, this, this, Steve Eiserman's not available, though. Yeah, you know what? If you well, have enough, if you have enough money, if you have enough money, anybody's available. I don't think Eiserman would want to leave Detroit, which is his team and his dream right. job. Well, that's why he wouldn't leave. But but there yeah. there there are a few guys. I would have taken a shot at Breezebois in Tampa. Put it this yeah. way: I would not I mean, have settled for. Job. I would not have settled for Hextall and Burke. And really, no, the I fact that so. Fenway think, Sports Group right. did shows they don't yet know much about hockey. And uh, yeah. and th- this is the most important off season in recent Penguins history. It is the start right. of a transition phase, and if Hextall blows it, it will reverberate with this team in negative fashion for years and years to come. Yeah, I mean, everyone loves Gino. Everyone loves Latang, But our, our defense sometimes gets better when Latang is out. We won our first cup with Sid when how, many, how much did Latang play in that playoff? In, in 09, he played quite a bit. Sid didn't play in the last game. Oh, sorry, hardly the next... all. And when they won the cup in well, – you see, I, you see, you're sounding dumber every second. I'm regretting taking the call. Uh, you say they won the cup in seventeen without Latang. Who who else was on their defense then? They they were stacked. Yeah, I know. Well, right. So they're not stacked now. Get it? Okay. No. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. And Latang's the best skater on the team, probably. And Latang's had two he of his best that, seasons ever. The last two. No, I I think he's gotten a lot better. I think earlier on he was more focused on offense. You need to be more, more focused on defense. Okay, coach. Goodbye. Four one two. Latang plays a certain way and a different way because he can play that way, and it benefits the Penguins greatly and has done. Four one two three 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 WXDX is the number to call. This this one asked one of you know there are and I've spoken about this and I won't say the guy's name because I normally mute him but I saw what he said in a like a chain of tweets, there are literally eight or nine uh, Twitter accounts just made specifically to troll me. Most uh, having something to do with my weight, uh, but some uh, making fun of my dead mother and the fact that I didn't know my father. I'm not kidding. These are Twitter accounts. Every tweet is about my dead mother or me not knowing my father. So there's some great people out there. But one guy's complaining because I'm talking too much about the Penguins. What do you want me to talk about? What do you want me to talk about regarding the Pirates? Seriously, you tell me what to talk about regarding the Pirates. When they stink again. When they friggin' stink again. But every time Brian Reynolds hits three home runs, Sawinski hits three home runs, those are diamonds, small diamonds in a trough of pig manure. You can blow those out of proportion and pretend they're better than they are. I will not. They suck. And these prospects, you think they're good, they'll turn out to suck. 
until they leave here. Why? Because they're pirates. Not to be critical, 412-333-WXDX. It's the Mark Madden Show at 105.9.